This is Kai Stewart, reading bedtime stories for nobody. The Hyperion stands on the southern side of the peak of Mount Elbrus, at 21,000 feet above sea level. The top 40 stories are penthouses, walled entirely in glass, so that at dawn the entire suite is filled with the sharp, penetrating sunlight that makes the Hyperion famous. With so little atmosphere to scatter and catch the longer wavelengths, the dawn is blue-white. At noon, the sky overhead is black, and stars may be seen, while the horizon in every direction glows. Stories below 40 are ringed with communal balconies, where the economy class can sit and watch the sun. Except for those in the top balcony and those in the top penthouse, Everyone has to go outside to see the stars. At the Hotel des Ombres outside Bruges, visitors reserve one or two or three or seven days stay. The hotel is extensive with a swimming pool, a gym, several Michelin-rated restaurants, a 24-hour stage on which local and touring theater troops perform scenes or monologues at all times of day and night. Gardens bloom year-round. In some seasons, visitors find orange blossom and thyme in flower. In some seasons, visitors find blown roses and lavender, and pepper trees drop their fruit to crack underfoot. Silk and detour drop their faces into visitors' hands, and marigolds with their sausage curls sent the air green. A menu of professional voice actors wait to render your choice of popular novels, masterpieces of poetry, or philosophical treaties from hundreds of titles. The walls are papered with silk and velvet. Visitors can enjoy saunas and ice houses, sculptures worked in sandstone and blasted wood, massage in three styles. The Hotel des Ombres has no staircases, no steps, no sharp corners to the furniture, and inset into the walls, the visitor finds a thin, textured line, ridged for room one, pebbled for room two, smooth and cold for room three, and following with the left hand leads to that room. The Hotel des Ombres has no windows. The front door leads to a dimly lit reception area. A visitor checks in and is escorted by staff through a door made of smooth, fragrant cedar into a smaller room where the lamps are extinguished. The visitor then passes through to the lobby where the ringing of their footfalls like cords of bells and the cool, stone-scented air brushing their face describes the vast expanse of marble floors the lofted ceiling for one day or three days or a week. Visitors to the Hotel des Ombres are in complete darkness. They say the gardens smell more luscious there. They say the sounds of cello and violin, the voices of the actors paint themselves directly on the heart. They say that when visitors are escorted outside after one day or three days or seven, 
at twilight, that the light slides like water, that there is no color as warm and urgent as the last of sunset fogging the sky. In the morning, after a night of stars and lamps and streetlights and nightlights and illuminated clock faces, when morning sounds its trumpets and your eyes have adjusted, that you see color differently. They say it changes you for good. I keep thinking of the time before we knew light at all, and of the slow, regular blinking of the earth circling the sun, and I wonder if we ever see anything that doesn't change us for good. But if you go to the Hotel des Ombres, where the walls have no windows and the rooms have no lamps, where you spend one day or three or seven enjoying luxuries to every sense but the visual and every treasure is unseen, that's what they say will happen. At the Hotel Sixto, the shadows taste like the skin of a blueberry. Light glazes the stuccoed walls like lemon icing. The front desk bell is clear as an icicle melting on your tongue, and a ball, escaping from a tangle of children in the courtyard, bounces across the bricks with a cranberry tang. The shouts of the children are marshmallow or stick sugar, and the whole afternoon is sticky with peach juice. People check out when they get full. Guests at the Remains Inn stay for 30 days. They spend the time making maps of what they have left and what they no longer have. They catalog meticulously. They describe and enumerate until that which has been lost seems to hover in the room. Those who check in at the same time come to know the name and shape of that which each has lost. It helps to draw these maps together. There are classes where guests relearn to walk or speak, where they can learn new hobbies, hobbies better suited to their new abilities. Some guests attend the classes. By the end of their time there, guests know minutely where their new edges are, the places they now stop and used to continue, where there is nothing where once there was something. They walk with their feet underneath them. They reach for objects and grasp them. When they look at a thing, they see it. Their pockets are full of portraits of what used to be, and when they see it missing from mirrors or sidewalks or across the kitchen table, they recognize what is left. You check into the Wallace Hotel on the longest night of your life. You pull up to the concierge station and no one meets you. You pull your bag up the hall. At the end of the hall, you find a cinder block stairwell lit by sickly, flickering fluorescence. Your heels clang against the steps. 
There's a smell like rust and old bleach. The fire doors on each floor are locked, and no light comes from beneath them. The fire door on the eighth floor is open. The wheels of your luggage pull heavily at the checkered carpet, and about halfway down the hallway, a door is open. The key is inside on the chair. The curtains are drawn. You smell lemon and Castile soap. The bed is cold and hard, and you do not sleep. The desk is solid. You put your cup of 4 a.m. coffee on top of other people's faded stains. The TV doesn't work. The coffee machine does. There are no towels in the bathroom. You packed a shirt, a toothbrush, nothing else. You left your book somewhere. You wash your face at the sink and dry your face on your spare shirt. Your reflection looks older than you remember, and a wisp of a feeling drifts through you. It might be pride. You watch the curtains. You watch the curtains grow pale. You watch a sliver of sunbeam slide down the wall. When it falls on your room key, you pack your toothbrush and yesterday's shirt back into your bag and wheel it through the doorway. The wheels don't stick in the carpet like you remember. In the lobby, you sip a paper cup of stale coffee. Other guests come through, rustling newspapers they're not reading, pouring coffee and looking with concern into the cup. You think you know how, what that feels like, to be full of something a little disappointing, but needed and hot and better than nothing. <laughs>